Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. When it comes to suicide, we too often tend to assume that the person was depressed in the sense of needing an antidepressant medication. Often on closer examination, we discover that other pressures or issues, some of them non-biological, may be at play. Maurizio Pompelli is the director of the Suicide Prevention Center at the University of Rome in Italy, and he joins us today. Thank you, sir, for being with us. Thank you. It's necessary to begin that if someone is feeling suicidal, then there is the need to immediately seek professional help to understand the cause of the feeling and to make whatever are the necessary and appropriate interventions. Please seek help if you're feeling suicidal. Okay, this is a huge topic. And in preparing for it, there were so many areas that I wasn't quite sure which one would be an appropriate jumping off point. Let's start with a general question. The word depression is perhaps too widely used. Are suicides the result as much from situational issues as much from biological depressions? Where do we begin? There is a tendency to conclude that the suicide is also depression or psychiatric disorders. This view is just too narrow because there are other motives that lead to suicide. Most people suffering from major depression do not commit suicide. This narrow view is also the result of centuries when suicide had to be explained as the result of madness and were tried posthumously. If they were found to have been responsible for their actions, this is considered that there is stigmatization. It's often easier to conclude that the depression is the main cause of suicide. As a psychiatrist, my model for suicide, two different dimensions that overlap. The one comprising psychiatric disorders and the other referring to suicidality. When substantial overlapping exists, there is a major risk of suicide as the patient. However, suicide can occur with no psychiatric disorders when a profound distress and psychological pain become unbearable and when suicide is seen as the perfect solution. In other words, in suicidal individuals, psychological pain affects the very core of the human condition and threatens life, which cannot be accepted in its present condition. Psychiatric disorder alone, in my view, therefore, is not sufficient for precipitating suicide. There must be the suicidality dimension that carries some variant of negative emotions the one that energizes suicide risk. So is some of this suicidality that you refer to, is it an offset of such things, common things, but very real, loneliness, embarrassment, or the term I think it was Schneidman made of psychic, all the other issues of life other than a abnormality in our chemistry? Absolutely. The fact that we consider negative emotion is something that goes beyond the biological approach. And nowadays, people that are used to the biological approach are now considering the role of psychological pain or psychic as a contributing factor to suicide, which is an innovation, something new, because the two approaches are now finding common ground for preventing suicide. In the United States, and I'm sure elsewhere in the, the world as well, a disproportionate and a very disturbing rise of suicides after bullying. Yeah. Do, do you see that in Italy as well? Yes, and this is a very controversial and very important issue. And we have been witnessing some cases in Italian and in Europe that point to the role of bullying. 
but we must consider that these specific individuals were also vulnerable to suicide because the other subjects that are victims of bullying actually do not commit suicide. So we must consider the entire life of the individual. You live in Italy, which is a very different culture than the United States. And I should also note that you worked in the United States, so you have a foot in each culture. Are there cultural differences between what is in the United States and what is in Italy in terms of approaching suicide, approaching death, the role of religion? I would love your thoughts on that. These are very powerful variables in the context of suicide. There are cultures that approve suicide as an option when life went wrong. And the other cultures are more prone to condemn suicide. This is a way, in a way, a stigmatization of suicide. But at the same time, people are retained for considering suicide as an option. And indeed, religion is a really, really very important. People with faith tend to commit suicide less often compared to people without religious beliefs. All major religions consider suicide as something morally serious, as a sin to condemn, although not any religion is protected at the same way. So there is a difference. Faith can protect you from committing suicide. Which raises the question about suicide in the elderly. There is an assumption, and I can't say that it's really hard and statistically established, but there is an assumption that older folks tend to be more religious, and yet we see a very nasty rise in the suicide in the elderly, especially males. Are, are, are there different structures or pressures in this age group? Well, in the elderly, physical complaints and the pain, as well as the social isolation, are no doubt the variables of paramount importance. Living alone is probably a condition that makes you sad and reduces future expectations. Not having future expectations is something we see always associated with suicide risk. You must consider the role of physical complaint and the pain that often is not treated properly in this age group. You use the words future expectations. One of the things that has always bothered me is the increased risk of suicide in girls who have been sexually abused versus guys who have been sexually abused. And I wonder, does a girl see less possible future expectations of safe relationships with men in the world, and hence they're more inclined to suicide? Yeah. Women are generally more represented in samples of subjects, including in studies dedicated to investigate suicide risk as related to sexual abuse. This is an alarming phenomenon which needs to be addressed properly. Another issue to address in this area is gender difference, both in suicide attempts and the completed suicide. Women are probably more represented for suicide attempts and not necessarily among completed suicides. But there is no definite conclusion yet. I reviewed the literature and the sample that I came across pointed a lot more girls compared to boys. The fact that they are more represented, it is something that we must consider and it is a food for thought. One of the more disturbing statistics that seems to show up in almost 
all the papers that I've read, is that a very large percentage of the people who commit suicide have made a contact with at least a primary care doctor within the month or so before they actually committed suicide. So the question arises, is there a possibility of intervening there? How do we screen? What can we do to help offset that? Or perhaps we can't. Maybe it's just coincidental that they have seen their doctor within a month. I'd love your thoughts on that. 45% of suicide victims had contact with primary care provided within a month of suicide. People who consider suicide often contact the doctors for general consultation prior to the suicidal action, and those with for suicide could be recognized by their physicians if an assessment is taken into account. This might encounter many suicidal patients and as an opportunity to establish anti-suicide measures for these patients. Suicidal ideation in primary care may constitute an important warning sign that should lead to a suicide investigation. For such reason, both the primary care and the other medical setting, suicide risk through direct inquiry. Suicide is not something someone can suggest by asking questions about personal thinking or feeling and whether or not person is thinking about suicide. Conversations about suicide serve purpose of communicating to a person with consider whether or not he or she should end life and someone else is interested in helping, despite the fact that the suicidal person is thinking of doing something that most people find unable to speak about. Most people feel quite relieved when they are able to talk openly about suicide and the problems they are having. This should be a training for primary care physicians in the assessment of suicide risk. Is there a taboo against talking about suicide in some cultures that is still quite a, an obstacle for people? Uh, yes, indeed. Suicide has always been a taboo, a natural difficulty in considering asking about suicide, and uh, many physicians prefer not to ask about suicide, but now have an opportunity for asking about suicide openly because there is no risk involved. And the International Association for Suicide Prevention that I represent for Italy is providing a campaign for reducing stigmatization of suicide. And the last World Suicide Prevention Day in celebrated in September was so dedicated to reduction of stigma. Uh, stigma is a major barrier in the prevention of suicide. Part of the stigma, just to play with the words, is the fear on the part of the person who's asking. I know that we very often try to explain to people, don't be afraid to ask the person if they are suicidal. You are not going to suggest that to them, and that's going to give them the information and the motivation to go out and do it. Data doesn't support that. Data supports the opposite. At least that's what I've seen here in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. There is no risk in asking about suicide. Obviously, you must be confident with the topic of suicide. And I always say, know yourself, because if you first know your reactions 
to suicide, you must be more comfortable in asking about suicide to other people. If you are in a way scared by the topic of suicide, you're not going to be able to ask about suicide in, in a proper way. One of the things, obviously, as well, at least from what I see, is that it's much easier to talk about a depression and give them an antidepressant than talk about very complicated psychosocial issues. And as you said, the, the tired life, the psychic issue and so on. How do we deal with that, that obstacle? There are many interventions around the world. There are campaigns for increasing awareness of the suicide problem. It's really important to educate professionals, and not necessarily mental health professionals, but any professional to consider suicide at risk. Psychological pain or psychic, such as unbearable psychological pain, Unbearable psychological pain might be the main ingredient of suicide. Nightmare of reports that psychological pain might be related to the fact it is an escape from something terrible, from something that is make the individual suffering is not a movement toward death, but it is rather a remedy to escape from a terrible emotion. Suicide risk is associated with narrowing the range of options. We usually have more than two options for something painful. The suicidal individual has only two options. One, it is magic, stop immediately this unbearable psychological pain, or the other one, which is real, I'll commit suicide. So if we consider the inner state of these individuals and the fact that we must provide a human understanding of their suffering and provide more options for their unbearable psychological pain and reduce just a little of that psychological pain, these individuals will probably choose to live. Very basic in the understanding of human relationships and the connections and role and power of the non-biochemical. It's not all antidepressants. Sometimes they are absolutely necessary, but it's not an automatic disruption in our neurochemistry. Mauricio Pompelli is the director of the Suicide Prevention Center at the University of Rome in Italy. Dr. Pompelli, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much.